0: Well, Mickey, thank you so much for a very um, important, I believe, and enlightening talk. And as I see it, education is vital. Um, it's it's a real shame that we have to have these kinds of difficulties in our society. Uh, to me, this should be a non-issue. Uh, one of the... Th- one of the resources that I've drawn on over the years is one of the best documentaries I've ever come across. I'm wondering if you've come across it. It was available at the library, but the library is always changing their, you know, their books and their, their media. So whether it's available anymore or not, I'm not sure. But I borrowed it three times. It's called Brain Sex. And it was one of the best documentaries I've ever come across that explains uh, the birth process, when a child is, you know, uh, developing and all the different stages of development, and at certain periods how different hormones have to come into play. And during that end, uh, close to the, uh, the, the culmination of when the child is ready for birth, The brain, which is the most complex organ, takes the longest to develop. The the window comes up, and the chamber is flooded with either progesterone to let the little body know, I'm a girl, or testosterone to let the little body know, I'm a boy. But what the documentary outlined was that when a mother is stressed out, and huge studies have been done during periods of stress, particularly during times of war, if a mother is raped during pregnancy or in an accident or there's a war, various things, instead of the, uh, the, you know that window opening up 100% and the chamber flooded with that vital hormone, it might only open 10% or 25 or 50%. So then the fetus or the, the, the child is born and the brain doesn't quite feel 100% male or female. It's somewhere on that continuum. And I just thought that was one of the best explanations I have ever come across. Have you heard of this documentary? And
1: yep, yeah, I've heard about it. And there's a lot of theories, um, a lot of theories around uh, the birth process um, and trans people. Um We certainly, um, and I don't advocate any theory that would uh, blame an experience on a mother um, for why their child might be trans. Um, I think that's a big burden to carry for a a mother um, and a family. Um, But there are an abundance of theories around uh, the the testosterone or progesterone and when that has an effect, some as early as in the first trimester um, when there is a, a, a hormone kick that they suggest that perhaps that doesn't happen. But that only explains a very small percentage of people um, that would fall under that trans umbrella. Um, There are trans people who refuse to be um, identified as male or female uh, for lots of reasons. Um, Some political, um, some based on experience, uh, some because... They decide that they, you know, gee, I kind of like being in the middle. Um, there are lots of, of, of understandings, um, and no one explains all of them. And, I, and, you know, if the neurologists and the scientists can't figure it out, I'm sure I don't know.
0: Hi. Deborah LeBeau. Yes. I have two questions. One's sort of off-topic, but... We'll see what you do with it. Um, I was wondering when you started talking about the do- documentation and stuff for travel and how having that final surgical transition being incentive. And I would, it would make me very sad to think that somebody might not have that in mind for themselves but might go ahead and have the surgery just so that they could, you know, have the paperwork. Um, and the other one... What, I was wondering if people that are born as hermaphrodites and they often assign sex or even will do surgery that isn't always the best in the end, if there's any kind of... Um, do they go through the similar kind of crap with documentation because of their birth, you know? Okay.
1: Um, so the first question was around documentation. Um, I think probably years ago there were more people who engaged in, in um, surgical uh, remedy um, for a lot of reasons. In the middle wasn't at all a space that was allowed. Um, I suspect 50 years from now uh, the way trans people will navigate through the world will be decidedly different. Um, some, uh, I think at some point in time, I believe that in some point in time people will have children and let them just grow up and be. Um, and, and that perhaps um, dressing them in pink or blue or um, giving them dolls versus trucks might not be so much of an issue that they'll just be allowed to grow up and understand themselves for themselves. Um, I think less people now engage in surgery for documentation purposes, although I do know that that push exists. And sadly, it often exists even in our own community. There is um, places where there is resistance for the allowance of anybody who's not um, pursuing you know, uh, that gender binary. Um, that that understanding is growing, and, and we're, we're, we're learning too, um, but that exists. The second question... Um, can you remind me of the second question? Oh, intersex yeah, people. Exactly. That's right. We don't call them hermaphrodites anymore. We call them intersex Um and some do, and, and, and um, there has been a push from the intersex community for years and years and years, and from their families often, um, to not uh, have surgery at, at, at infancy, um, to allow the children to grow. In fact, there are policies around them. Uh, the UK has a policy. Um, there is some policy development in the States, Um, And I believe that's kind of an understanding here in Canada that you won't surgically intervene and you'll just let the child go up and choose gender for themselves. However, what usually happens is the child's born, um, they're whisked away right away because there's something clearly different. And so um, they do measurements and all kinds of things and they make decisions. A doctor makes a decision. He comes in to parents who are already in a state of panic because they haven't seen their child right away. So they know something's wrong. And they say... Your child is this or that. And you know there's over 40 chromosomal variations um, that uh, are defined as intersex. But what happens is you've got parents that are panicked. The doctor comes in and says, I would recommend this. It would be helping uh, your child successfully um, live their lives. And parents, doctors are gods, you know. So parents consent. And there's been some very, very tragic, tragic cases um, in Canada, I'm sure you've heard the story about Dr. Money. If you haven't, go look him up on the Internet. Um, and the story of David, who eventually committed suicide because he was assigned female at birth um, and um, decided that growing up that that didn't work and had a, a sex reassignment surgery to become male, and it wasn't... You know, uh, there are imperfections in, in, in that surgery, and he just couldn't find successful life. He was totally messed up and he ended up taking his own life, and that's not uncommon. Um, so, but lots of the intersex community, to be, to be really fair, um, don't identify as trans at all at all. And there are places beginning to explore uh, different designations for intersex people and for trans people. Uh, in fact, in New Zealand, I believe it was in uh, New South Wales, they just had their first designated person as unspecified gender. Um, and it caused such a stir that I think eight days later they withdrew that um, possibility. So, but the, there's, there's, there's um, dialogue happening, so people are able to um, be something other than MRF.
0: Was very similar to the one that was just asked, but um, bringing this back to Alberta, and you're saying that there is a resistance to do surgery in intersex infants who have uh, ambiguous genitalia. I assume that the Alberta
1: government pays for that surgery. Would 25 years later, would they pay to have it reversed when the individual? claims that they were mutilated by the province. I'm not sure you can answer that, but I mean, I think it's very ironic (laughs) that at one end they will make a decision, and then at the other end they refuse to recognize it. Well, prior to April 2009, they would have paid for any of us, uh, provided we met the criteria. And I will say that there has been a real struggle within the community often to identify as intersex, because that does create some enhanced possibility um, but whether or not they would pay for an intersex person to have their sex re-reassigned, um, I, I, I can't say for certain. Um, but they will pay for it at birth.
0: I'm Gary Stoffer. I have two questions. Sure. Can you give us a sense of the percentage in the population that might be considered trans, And then translate that into the numbers in Alberta and also the numbers that might be uh, looking at uh, surgery if it were paid for. And secondly, uh, we're getting very used to waiting lines uh, for a a lot of our procedures. How difficult is it? Uh, How long do you have to stand in line for the surgery? And then how long is the, uh, the whole process? Also, do you find that the psychological counselling is up to snuff? Are there enough qualified people that are are good in this field? Thanks.
1: I'll start there, and it's no, decidedly. Um, Like many of the provinces, we have a single um, gatekeeper um, that that decides uh, whether you meet the criteria. There are other people that can provide the second signature that's required, uh, for surgery, and there are almost no educated GPs and um, therapists. Uh, they're very difficult to find, um, and certainly the waiting list to get into them is very long. Um, last I heard, um, we- the waiting list to get in to see um, Dr. Warnicki, who is our Alberta gatekeeper, was uh, 12 to 18 months for your first visit. Um, then you have to be in care, so I can carry on from there then The, the process is not simple um, i 'll answer the f- second half of your first question first. Um, <clears throat> the process is not simple um, you don 't wake up one day and decide that you're i didn 't wake up one day and decide I was a boy and uh, you know sign up for a sex change um, it 's pro- there 's quite a lengthy process now, almost anybody in, that you ever encounter who 's trans could tell you that um, like death and dying, um, it has its own process. You know, um, There's kind of this first, oh, okay, that's it. That's what's been wrong with me all these years. And then there's this, you know, then you move into a sense of denial, and um, some people bury that for long, long periods of time and become either hyper-masculine or hyper-feminine or um, do all kinds of activities to try and engage their, bi- their birth sex um, to push that uh, out of their lives. And, and um, unfortunately, um, it's not pushable. <laughs> um, you are who you are. Um, and then you have to um, begin to disclose and, and, and seek treatment. Um, there are very uh, strict guidelines uh, that you have to undertake to get to surgery. However, um, interestingly enough, therapy is not really one of them. (laughs) Um, Because it uses a a mental disability model, we have to go see a psychiatrist. Um, And I don't know whether any of you are familiar with psychiatrists, but therapy isn't their long suit. Um, So, you know, you go see a psychiatrist who has to follow you for uh, a period of time. You have to prove that you're living, working, and uh, being in the world. Um, as, or volunteering if you don't work, because unemployment is a real issue um, for trans people. Um, you have to prove that you're doing that successfully for at minimum a year. Um, then you can get your letters. You need at least two, um, So one both from psychiatrists or psychologists. So you can't just get you know, your neighbor to write you a letter saying you've been living this way. It's got to be somebody who's qualified and meets the government criteria. Then you go on the waiting list. The waiting list to get in to have surgery um, for men is quite a little bit longer than for women. Uh, and by men, I mean trans men or is a bit longer for, than women because they do less of those surgeries because um, they're way more expensive. Um, but it, is, it doesn't happen in a week. You don't, you know, it doesn't happen in a month. It does, it's usually a year or more, that you're going to wait, sometimes two. Um, So it's not something, I started transitioning in, gee, uh, 19, maybe 93, and I had my last surgery when I was in 2001. So that was eight years uh, it took. And, and so it's, it's not something that you just wake up and do. This is a serious decision that people undertake, and um, they have to live in the world and work in the world successfully for it to happen. Um, some people never get surgery. Um, numbers. Now I want to qualify. The government funded 18 surgeries a year, that's all. 18 surgeries a year. It wasn't, you know, 80 or 100 or thousands, 18 surgeries a year. That was it. So the waiting list is quite lengthy, um, and uh, people who are coming into the system now could probably anticipate a wait if we were paying, of three or four years before they would actually, you know, end up on the surgery table. Numbers, statistics vary. Studies have said that we're, you know, when I think back to 1995, when I first started coming out as a trans person in Edmonton. They were saying one in a hundred thousand. Um that, that was the most there could be. New studies suggest anywhere between one and one in twenty five hundred um, to one in ten thousand. Those big, big, big numbers are long gone. The standard people say is one in every four to five thousand people. So do the numbers. Um for yourself, there's probably quite a few of us, and those would be transsexuals. Now, we would be the smaller number on that whole umbrella. If you take uh, cross-dressers and bigendered and um, all the people genderqueer people, there's probably more of them than there are transsexuals. So there's lots of us in your community. Um, In fact, we're probably in every community. And when you give... If you think about the migration to Alberta um, for employment... Um, and the fact that we once funded this surgery, so people came here, they worked here, they lived here, they made it their home, and stayed here, and we have a, fair, a significant number of trans people in Alberta. Um, I, ca- I can't really guess how many. If they were to decide to do surgery on everybody all at once... Um, I don't know how many that would be, but i it would be it would be quite a few, but not everybody seeks to go all that distance either, so that is the smaller category of the trans community. I hope that helps.
0: Does anyone else have a question oh. Thanks very much for coming mickey I'm takes talking. takes uh, big big shoulders to come and. St- Tell us. Uh, my question would be: uh, Where does the religious community fit into so all this? Do you find support in the religious, religious community, or
1: does I it knew this question would come? <laughs> um, now I'll tell you. Like I, if you read the flyer, I'm a retired minister. Um, I came out in that process, and and I will um, qualify that I did. Mo- I, I went to Bible college here in Alberta, and. I actually ended up having to leave one school because um, i wasn 't allowed to be who I was in that environment um, because i 'd signed a paper saying i wouldn 't be who I was because I, I also am partnered um, with a man so um, i wasn 't allowed to be there i 'd signed a paper saying i wouldn 't be, so I was, and I had to go um, so I finished my schooling in other places and I ended up serving initially in the inner city um, in Edmonton um, and then an area of great need. Um, And I um, saw an area of great need in our community as well. Um, People in the queer community have been uh, marginalized and hurt very, very badly by the church. I'm a Christian. I've talked to God about me, um, and God's been pretty clear that I'm loved Um, and that if God wanted to talk about anything more, we could wait. Um, until much later um, but most interestingly I found some trans people have been uh, accepted readily by churches more readily than gay and lesbian people, I find that curious um, but I, I knew a family who had inter, uh, a gay man and a trans woman was in their, um, they were cousins, first cousins and they both went to the same church and, and the woman, the trans woman was it they didn't even blink. And um, the gay man has since left church um, entirely uh, because they would make no space for him. So if you are trans and you successfully transition and you end up heterosexual, then you're probably good to go. Um, if you are... Trans and not heterosexual, you might have some issues. Um, that being said, the Catholic Church—and I apologize for not being able to have enough time to talk about Jan Buterman uh, being fired by the Greater Catholic, uh, Greater Saint Albert um, Catholic School Board—but um, the Catholic Church will not acknowledge anything other than your birth gender, period. So. They won't marry you if you're transgender. They won't change your baptism certificate. They will not acknowledge you as anything other than your birth gender if you walk through the door. They just say there is no such thing as a transgender person. And for gay people talk about being the gay unicorn, there are trans unicorns too. Um, But uh, largely churches struggle with anything that is kind of not just in that uh, kind of heteronormative place of understanding. Um, And that being said, churches are the last um, institutions to change about almost anything. You could ask women about that 100 years ago. Um, You could ask slaves about it. Um, But uh, fortunately, um, I believe God loves us all. That's my place on that whole subject.
0: Maybe this will be our last question. Um, I'm Lindsay Skakem, and this has to do with uh, a way forward,
1: perhaps, in Alberta. Um, Often I've noted that trans get lumped in with gay and lesbian discourse within Alberta, and I know in the past that's been harmful for trans individuals gaining rights within Alberta and other areas of the country. And I'm wondering how you see a way forward through that, because trans issues aren't the same as bisexual or lesbian or gay issues, and how that might work out. Big question, but thought maybe you could speak to that. Okay, that is a big question. Um, first of all, I would say they are different, but they're not different. Um, in a lot of ways, they're not different. Uh, the path that gay and lesbian people have trod is not unlike the path that we're trying to tread now. Um, we are where gay and lesbian people were 50 years ago. Um, and that path is one that bisexuals are still treading uh, because, you know, nobody really. Lots of people don't even believe they exist. You know, There are other unicorns in the community. Um, if they would just decide, they would be okay. Um, so they're still traveling that journey as well. So they're the same, but they are different because um, gay and lesbian bisexual are sexual orientations. Um, for trans people, it's an identity issue. Um, so it's a little bit different. But our greatest, I believe, our greatest issue is not so much... Um, for going forward is education. It's education-based, and our education first has to happen in the queer community. Because some of the the, the greatest amount of transphobia we experience, which is the same as homophobia, except for it's for trans people, is in the queer community. Um, Most of the time, uh, bills initially go forward. They include gender identity and gender expression, and it's taken off for political expediency because the community feels that we will drag the heels of acceptance in the larger world, um, which is probably just silly. Only one province in all of Canada has um, intentional protections, and that's the Northwest Territories, believe it or not. Um, In 2002, uh, they redid their uh, whole uh, charter of rights, and a gal Canada stepped in and said, hey, why don't you include this? And they said, oh, okay. And they did, and it was as simple as that. They didn't know there were trans people. They didn't talk about trans people. They didn't consult with them. They just had this suggestion and thought it was a good idea. Um, so that's the only place. There are some communities. There are some civic centers, um, um, municipalities that are where people are protected, um, some businesses. But the only place, province in Canada, that has specific um, protections for trans people is the Northwest Territories. Um, so we need to we, we need to educate. Uh, I know this was a different kind of subject matter probably than SACPA has had before. Um, but it's these kind of discourses and dialogues um, that need to happen in the community so that you go out and learn more. You don't still have to agree with me. But maybe you'll sit down with a trans person or maybe you'll get on the internet or maybe you'll read a book or... Or at least you know that I'm not a, a monster. I don't have green scales, and um, you know, I, I'm, just, I'm just a person trying to live my life. And once we get through that, we'll understand that the, the journey for equal rights um, is the same for everyone.
0: I've been impressed with uh, the range of facts that you draw from, the depth of your experience, and how clearly you, you express your, your your point of view in an enormously complex field that most of us are visibly unaware or ill-informed. And uh, in that sense, I want to, to thank you very much. My pleasure.